Welcome to the Well SGV podcast. We exist to multiply followers of Jesus rooted in the gospel who worship, walk, and witness to God's glory. Here's our message for the week. Good morning, everybody. Wow, this is amazing, isn't it? Uh, we're finally here, and uh, it's been just an absolute amazing journey. Stemming several years ago when um, really I think the Lord had implanted a vision of what a gospel-centered, multiplying church could look like, and where uh, followers of Jesus are genuinely seeking to worship the Lord, living their lives for Christ, and then seeing their purpose here in this world, uh, in this lifetime that we've been given to make other followers of Jesus. And um, along this journey for several years, uh, it has not always been easy. There's been some obstacles and uh, there's been a lot of prayer. Uh, and I have just seen, I think, over the years, the way that God has faithfully, when he's behind it, uh, he really just moves and he provides and he guides and he directs and he leads. And the fact that we are gathered here this morning is nothing other than its testimony of God's sheer grace. So praise God for that. And uh, all of us are kind of here and it's like, you know, we're kind of getting used to a new place. We're kind of getting used to each other. It's like this feels different from, you know, where I was at before and all that. But I love uh, what... You know, Ian prayed that um, as people of God's kingdom, we come together because of the blood of Christ, we're adopted into his family, and we learn to love one another because of what Jesus done for us. Amen. So um, with that, I am anticipating and looking forward to uh, this journey that God is going to take us on. And a journey where uh, God is moving us from where we've been to maybe places that we haven't even imagined yet. But God is going to go before us, and he's going to lead every step of the way. So with that, I'm going to ask you to please join me in a word of prayer, and then we'll kind of go into our text as well, and we'll talk about a passage that I, I think will be good for us to hear. Father, thank you. Once again, as we gather as your people here uh, in this place at this time as the well, and we want to say thank you. Wow, we glorify your name. We thank you for this gospel that's been freely given to us through Christ. It's him. It's a person of Jesus. It's a work of Jesus. Lord, we love you, we praise you, we honor you as our king, as our savior, as our redeemer. We ask, Lord, that you would open our hearts to your word and move uh, through this body by your spirit so that, Lord, we would know uh, what it means to live our lives completely for your glory. And we ask these things in Christ's name, amen. Tennessee Williams was an American playwright and screenwriter, and he once described one of his characters as a water plant. And the reason why he described his character in this way was to suggest that 
this person was rootless and dislocated, cut off from history and just adrift. I think we all long to be connected to a greater purpose and a greater story for our lives. Why are we here? Why are we in this world? Is there a greater meaning? Is there a greater purpose to my existence that goes beyond simply what I can see by sight? We long for this kind of purpose that goes much greater than ourselves. And this is what the well SGV is about. We're here simply, if I could put it, because we are connecting to God's larger story and narrative for our lives, for his purpose, his glory, what he wants to do in us and through us. And I just have a simple point I think I just want to make through this passage, and that is that uh, God's call upon each of our lives is our only hope. It's our only hope to connecting to his story for our lives. So, Brian just read uh, of Genesis chapter 12, and I believe that this passage and this story really serves as sort of the main focal point or illustration of what I think we want to be as a church. It's, this narrative centers around this man, Abram, uh, also known as Abraham, but they're the same person. Uh, Abram simply means exalted father. Abraham means um, a, the father of a multitude. And we land upon Genesis chapter 12, but in order to understand Genesis chapter 12, you really have to understand Genesis chapter 1 through 11. That is that the reason why all of us were created and the reason why this whole universe was created was simply for his glory, that we would be worshipers of the triune God. But the rest of the story in Genesis chapters 3 to 11 uh, bear out that we have rebelled against God. Uh, we have sinned against him. And the effects of this rebellion is a downward spiral of continued guilt, of shame, of brokenness. And then you see the result of that is God's judgments one after another. But even as you see God's judgments in Genesis 3 to 11, you see that the judgments have no power to actually take away sin. It can only diminish it or it could slow it down. So we need a redeemer. We need a savior who can save us. And Genesis 12 is the beginning of that promise. And what John sought a Anglican pastor, theologian, what he would describe as the foundation of all of Scripture. It begins really in Genesis 12. Um, this is the promise of God's mission to rescue you and I, of his rescue plan. So, we land here. Genesis chapter 12, this is a calling that the Lord gives to Abram, where he tells him, go from your country. But this was actually 
not the first time that the Lord called Abram. This is actually the second time. You don't see it in Genesis, but if you read Acts chapter 7, you will see that God originally called Abram and his family to go. And they actually went, but they went only halfway uh, between Ur and Canaan to this place called Haran. And they stopped there, and they didn't move forward from that point. But this time, in Genesis chapter 12, God calls Abram again, a second time. He says, I want you to go, but he adds one more thing. He goes from, go from your country and your kindred, but then he also says, this time, from your father's house, household. And the reason why was because, for some reason, we don't know exactly, but Abram's extended family decided to just kind of settle right there in Haran, and they refused to keep going. And so the Lord has to tell Abram, I want you to go even beyond what your family wants to do. They're settling there, but you keep on moving. You keep on going. So this is the second calling, and this is what's happening. Now, add to this one more thing, and this is an important detail. If you go back to Genesis chapter 11, it said that in verse 30 that Abram's wife, Sarah, was barren, and she had no children. Now, to be childless um, was an absolute, complete misery. And it may be a little bit hard to our modern ears, for some of our modern ears, to completely understand that that to be childless is complete misery. But that's only because we live in a culture that prizes our individual freedom, our individual success, prosperity, and rights. But if you look at ancient cultures, in ancient cultures, they valued family above individualism. And everything that was done in ancient cultures was done for not your personal fulfillment, personal freedom, personal rights, but it was done for the good of your family. And whatever brought glory to your family, that was the main motivator and drive. And so in a culture like this, to be childless meant that all your hopes and all your dreams of extending your family basically came to an end. There was no faithful succession of children who could carry on the family name beyond the parents. So, if you get the picture here, this is what's happening. Sarah is childless. She's barren. There's no hope for a future. They have nowhere to go. They're stuck. And the reason why I think Genesis 11 ends on that kind of note is simply to serve as a metaphor as an illustration that this is where humanity is at. It's completely stuck. It's been in rebellion against God, and therefore, the diminishing, denigrating, deteriorating condition of mankind at this point has led to this point of barrenness. They're stuck. There's nowhere to go. They're, they've come to an absolute dead end at this point. And unless there is a miracle, 
unless there is an intervention of God's grace, humanity is completely at a dead end. And that's what's happening. And what God's going to do, and what he's doing in Genesis 12, is to initiate his rescue plan through this man, Abram. And the call of God, there's two things that I just want you to see in this, and then I'm going to sort of tie it in at the end for us at the well. But the two things is simply the call of God and then the promise of God. The call of God and the promise of God. The call of God was the only hope for Abram and his family, uh, for Sarah. There's no other way. It was his only hope, but this call was very, very high. It would be extremely costly. And what the Lord is telling Abram is, leave your country, leave your people, and leave your family. It's a radical call. It's basically a call to absolute, unconditional surrender. So, right here, in Genesis 12, now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country. In other words, I want you to leave your cultural identity. Whatever notion of society or civilization, whatever your, your environment is, I'm going to call you to the backwoods. It's going to be completely foreign to you. I want you to leave your people. In other words, your cultural identity. This is, um, you're going to leave everything about the culture that, that um, you feel comfortable with, and then I'm going to place you in an environment where you're going to be the outsider. Uh, it's going to seem completely unfamiliar. And then I want you to leave your father's household. And this was the second part of this calling, or this is the part of the, of the second calling that wasn't involved in the first calling. Your family's right there, but I want you to keep moving. Leave your father's household. Leave your emotional attachments. It's leave your sense of rest and support in these family relationships. Basically, what was God calling Abram to do? What does it come down to? What God is telling Abraham is, I want you to make me. I want Abraham needs to make the Lord his most important and fundamental identity above anything else in his life. This is the call. I want the Lord is calling Abraham, Abraham to make him more important than his family his work, his culture, his surroundings. This has got to be the most important thing. And he has to make God his actual source of security, his actual source of worth and identity. And on top of it, this is what God says. I want you to leave all of this to the land that I will show you. In other words, you don't know where I'm leading you. Just go. And I will show you as you go along the way. 
any semblance of control has been, has been completely lost at this point. Anything that, any last shred where Abram could control anything, anything that he could make, where he could say, this is my decision, this is what I want, it's gone. Could you imagine, just kind of imagine the dialogue play out in your mind a little bit, right? God says, go out. Where? I'll tell you later. Just go. You'll have a son. When? I'll tell you later. Just trust. Later comes, and the Lord tells Abram, now go ahead and offer up your son on the mountain. Why? I'll tell you later. Just climb. That's what the Lord is telling Abram this whole journey, this whole way. And you can imagine that in a culture that's completely obsessed with control, this would have been absolutely ridiculous. There's no way. When you hear this story, you and I, and we read it, this is our natural temptation. We think that's for Abram. Abram has a special call. That's for him. But I am me. And certainly God doesn't call everyone to that level of sacrifice. There's no way. Right? I mean, maybe some, but not everyone. I haven't heard a voice. That's not who I am. That's just for some people. But the point of this story, and this is what the Bible points to, all the evidence, is that this applies to every single person who calls Jesus their Lord and Savior. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord has the same calling of Abram upon themselves as well. Look at what Paul says. In Galatians chapter 3, verses 8 to 9, this is how Paul understood it. And Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, And you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Now, if you know this, the way Paul understood Genesis 12 and Abraham's calling, he applies it to you and I today. You see the same pattern. In other words, the gospel is preached. It came to Abraham. The gospel is preached to you and I. And this gospel is a good news that Jesus Christ, he reigns. He's the king. He's also the Savior. He's come to redeem you and I from our sins. And this gospel comes. Abraham didn't know Jesus, but he trusted this gospel by faith, looking to the Lord. And he received this call to trust. And it says in verse 9, So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. In other words, Paul is saying, that we, along with Abraham, are called to faith, to faith. Now, the question is, well, what is faith? Is faith simply 
saying, Jesus died for my sins on the cross. Yes, that is faith, and that is trust, and you must put your wholehearted trust and rest upon the finished work of Jesus. But the way Paul sees faith is the same way that Abraham responded in faith to the Lord. That is to say that the nature of faith is radical. It is a call to put your trust away from yourself, away from your sources of security, identity, significance, and to put it completely upon Christ. This is faith. And this is the call that every single person must answer today. Let me boil this down practically. Practically, what does this mean? Practically, to have faith means four things. We're called to follow the Lord personally. Follow the Lord personally, wholeheartedly. In other words, just like Abram, to leave what we put our hopes and dreams into and to follow Christ. To follow Christ, whether our family and friends do or not. It's to put your faith completely into to him. There are parts of the world today that if you claim to be a follower of Jesus, what that means is you might either be severed from the family or there is threat of being killed because of faith in Christ. Now, the same call that goes to those people is the same call that comes to us as well. But it's to follow the Lord wholeheartedly. But it's also to follow the Lord without conditions. Just like the way the Lord called Abram. In other words, no, there's no such thing as a cost-benefit analysis. No such thing as, if I follow Christ, then I'll expect my life to turn out like this. Or it will be better if I follow Jesus. Or if I follow Christ, well, I, I don't want to have to, you know, give away my money. Or I don't ha- want to have to change my lifestyle, or once you put your faith in Christ, you're basically saying, I take my hands off of my life. Jesus, he's the one who, he now directs my life completely in every single area. That's what it means to follow without conditions. Third, it's to follow the Lord by trusting completely in God's grace, to trust completely in God's grace. In other words, saving faith is turning to Christ uh, turning away from the things that, that you had put your hope into. And then fourth, it's to follow the Lord in his mission in the world, to follow the Lord in his mission. So, um, just like God calls Abraham, I want you to go, and I'm going to bless you and make you into blessing. Uh, we're called in the same way. Now, that doesn't mean that you and I are to join a mission organization you know, pack our bags and go overseas. That's not what we're talking about. But that is to say that just like Abram, that our life, our purpose, why we're here in this world, to worship God, but our purpose now is to be on mission with God in this world. This is the overarching purpose of God in Scripture. You'll see this. Just Genesis 12 all the way to Revelation, this is the arc of Scripture his mission, his heart for the world. And we're called to join him in that. Now, think about this. 
I want you to think about the major decisions you make for your life. Who am I going to spend time with? Where am I, where am I going to live? Um, you know, how much money am I going to spend on what? All these kind of major decisions, right, that we kind of just, that we base our lives on. And think about people. Are there people that maybe we avoid? Well, they're not my kind of people. These aren't my type of people. Or the decisions I want to make about my life is I want to be with certain kinds of people. And this is who I'm going to spend my time with. Abraham's call, if this is the same call that's been given to us, means that if we are truly on mission with Jesus and about his purposes in the world, it means that those aren't the questions we ask ourselves anymore. That's not how we base our life decisions. In other words, we're called to leave our comfort and our security. We're called to leave this that we naturally are drawn to for the sake of his purpose. In Christ, you have a new identity and you have a new purpose. There is a theologian, Miroslav Wolf, who says, the courage to break his cultural and familial ties and abandon the gods of his ancestors out of allegiance to a god of all families and cultures was the original Abrahamic revolution. In the same way, Christians depart from their original culture. Christians can never be, first of all, Asians or Americans, Croatians, Russians, or Tutsis, and then Christians. Christians take a distance from the gods of their own culture because they give the ultimate allegiance to God and God's promised future. And the call is we must leave the gods of our culture, both personally and uh, collectively. It's a call to put our trust away from ourselves onto him. This is the call. And this is our only hope. Salvation only comes to those who put their trust, their trust in Christ, their wholehearted trust in him. That's, where, that's who salvation comes to. But if you don't put your trust completely in Christ, you reach a complete dead end for your life. There's no hope. There's no hope for a future. Um, and there's a tailspin of sin. And so this is why the calling to trust in Christ is our only hope. The promise in verse 2 is this. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, a lot of times we read you, if you're familiar with this, it may sound like the Lord is trying to glorify Abram. I am going to make you into this great nation. I'm going to bless you and all that. But that's actually not the point of this promise. The point of this promise is that God is trying to create a new people for himself a new humanity, a new kind of mankind, so to speak. This is what God's doing. And he is creating a people for himself in which he rules and reigns with his love and his truth. 
This is what he's doing with our church, the well, and any church. And then within this promise comes other sub-promises. Um, you know, there's going to be land, but there will be other, there will be bl different blessings and so forth. But this is kind of the thing that God is trying to do, the overarching arching purpose. And God says this, I will make you of you a great nation. And then he says, I will bless you. This is the second thing. I will bless you. Now, a lot of times when we hear the word blessing, we think of, you know, someone sneezed. Oh, you know, bless you, you know. Or you think of, I got a promotion at work. Or uh, I got a raise. Or, you know, I got a new job. Or, you know, my health is going well. And we think of these things as blessings. Now, those things are good things. And they are things that we should give thanks to God for. They are they are blessings, so to speak. But when the Lord says, I will bless you here, it's not so much talking about material, your emotional, financial. It's not talking about those. What he's talking about is, I am going to give you a special relationship with myself. This is the blessing. Numbers chapter 6, the blessing of Aaron you know, the Lord bless you. You know, the Lord keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. But the idea of blessing there is the idea that when, when the Lord says, I will make my face to shine upon you, it's this idea that you're going to know him. You're going to know the Lord. You're going to have an intimate and close relationship with God. This is the ultimate blessing that God is promising to you and I. For those who are seeking God and look to God, not as a means for a greater end, like a better life, but for those who are looking to God simply as the end itself, to actually know God, he promises to offer this as a free gift to you if you would put your trust in him. This is the gospel. This is what God is offering. It's the purpose of this blessing. And he says, And all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In you, all the uh, families of the earth will be blessed. And that's to say, Abram is going to then pass on his faith to his children, who will pass on their faith to their children, to their children, and their children, and so forth, until all the nations and all the families of the earth know the one true God. This is the purpose. This is, this is what he's promising. And then finally, the one promise that all of this rests upon is given in verse 7. In Genesis 12, 7, it says, Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. To your offspring. Now, offspring here is singular. In other words, if there's no child that's born to Abram, all bets are off. None of this is going to happen. Salvation is going to completely hinge upon a miraculous birth of a child. But Sarah is barren. Abraham, Abram, he's well advanced in his years. He's already 75 years old by the time he gets this promise. 
So in other words, the Bible's emphasizing that this is completely impossible by human effort. This has to come completely by an act of God's grace. That's the only way that this is going to be possible. It's not based on your abilities, my abilities. It's simply based completely upon God's grace. And 2,000 years later, after this promise to Abraham, God fulfills his promise by sending his son Jesus into the world. And the way he does it is, again, through another impossible situation, through a virgin. Utterly impossible. And that is to say... All of this, that your salvation, my salvation, is not something that we could ever accomplish on our own. It's not about your efforts, my efforts. It's not about our ability to do this. It rests completely upon God's power, his grace, to bring it about in the world, in our lives. For all those who repent of their sins put their trust away from themselves. This is what I was basing my life on. These were how I were basing my major life decisions based on security, based on my personal sense of worth, my personal value, how I felt. And you put your trust away from those things and you put your trust completely upon Christ to say, actually, my hope is in him. It's not in myself. But for those who repent and put their trust in Christ, wholehearted trust in Christ, God offers this free gift of salvation. This is what the great promise is. And what is that free gift? That is to say your sins are forgiven. You are reconciled with God forever. You have an eternal hope, and you're made into his sons and daughters. And the promise, the greatest promise, is not that your life will be better, the greatest promise is that you will know who God is. That's the promise. He offers himself to those who would have him. There's nothing greater. There's nothing more to offer than God himself. This is what this whole passage is all about. And I want to invite you to do that. Verse 4, it says, Abram went as the Lord told him. He responded by faith. Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. In other words, all Abram could do is simply trust. Okay, Lord, you've got my life. I take my hands off the steering wheel. You've got you've to, you're my only hope. There's, there's no other way at this point. You're the way. And all I could do is just trust you. This is what Abram did. And this is the same calling that he gives to you and I. His calling is our only hope. It's our only hope. And it's the only way that our lives get connected to a story that's much greater than just ourselves to get connected to his larger story. This church, the well, is here by the grace of God. In a sense, all of us are here because we've left our Harans, right? We've come from different places, maybe some of us from different churches. Maybe for some of us, this is 
the first time at church or just uh, you're, you're wondering what this Christianity thing is all about. But we've all come together in order to witness something about God's grace. This is what the, the well is about. And just as God called Abram to trust him alone, he calls us as a church, but he calls you and I personally as well. What are the things that you are still holding on to to say, this is my worth, this is my hope, this is my security, this is my significance, this is what I'm holding on to? What is it in your life that God is saying, let go? He wants to take the control. He wants to be the king who, whom you rely upon. The mission statement of the well is this. We exist to multiply followers of Jesus rooted in the gospel who worship, walk, and witness to God's glory. Followers of Jesus. That is to say, this is, this is I was living for myself, now I follow Jesus. This is what my life is about. Rooted in the gospel because of God's grace who worship. In other words, my greatest aim in life is to know God. It's to be near to God. It's to be close to God. That is my greatest passion, my greatest goal, and my greatest aim in life, to know who he is, to walk. In other words, to be directed by the word of God. When I look at this world, when I look at my life, everything is filtered by the truth of scripture. What does scripture, how does it direct and form the way I think? How does it reorder my heart? And how does it affect my will? the way that I serve, use my hands, my feet, my time, my energy, everything. And then to witness, that is to say that the only reason now God has left me in this world because he could take me to heaven and be far better now is so that I would serve as his witness in this world. This is actually my, the only reason I could think of as to why God has left me in this world. And now, everything I do is to try to reflect something of God's character, his glory to display something of the nature of who God is. So that is our mission statement. Uh, I want to give you time to respond to this. And if God is calling you, uh, however he's calling you, however he's speaking to you about it, to respond to God. Is there something that God is saying to you? Is, there, is he calling you to trust? And what is that? For you, what is it to say, God, I want to make you my aim. I want to worship you. Um, I want to, to be your witness. I want to learn to walk in your ways. Um, what is it? And so um, I'm going to invite the praise team to come up now. And as we sing, there's a variety of ways that you can respond. When, when you hear the word of God, there's, there's, there's always a response to the word of God. And that response could lead to praise. It could lead to confession of sin. But it should always lead to something where we say, Lord, I, here I am. I offer my life to you. Uh, I want to be, I don't want to just merely be a hearer of your word. I want to be a doer. I want to respond to what you just spoke to me about. Uh, just as we've responded to the Lord, uh, let's, 
as we sung here, let's let him be the artist and the potter of our lives. Uh, he's writing his story. Uh, trust him. Go with uh, a sense of his mission, his purpose in this world. We say this, but we gather for worship, but we scatter for mission Monday to Saturday. This is what we're about. And so go um, by the grace of God as his children, as sons and daughters of the king. Go in loving fellowship with him and with his mission and his purpose in this world. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We would love to hear from you and help you take one step closer to Jesus. To contact us or for more information, please go to www.thewellsgv.org.